I love being chocolate. Our skin melts into a melanin pool of smoothness. The sun kisses our skin only to rest its warm texture upon us, draping us in a glow that is like no other. See us chocolate beings are guardians of all things beauty. From our lips to our curly hair, we are majestic. We are sensational. But who is to truly judge my chocolatey complexion? Who is deemed me desirable other than myself? Am I pretty? Am I all things beautiful, handsome, and all in between? But nonetheless, I am smart. I am courageous. I am funny. I am angelic. I am black. And I am chocolate. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hey, what's up? I'm Isaac, they, them, and welcome to Chocolate the Podcast, where we talk all things blackness, all things queerness, overall, all things chocolatey. I hope you're doing really, really well and that I'm putting a little smile on your face. I see it. I can see it. You're smiling. I can see it. Ah. (laughs) No, I can't, but that's fine. I just finished the TV series Swarm, which is by Donald Glover on Amazon Prime. And I have been really trying to find my way to watch this. And I just went ahead and got an Amazon Prime account just so I could watch the show because I was really excited to see what all the hubbub was about, about this show. It did not disappoint. This show was super, super good and had me so in it the whole time. And it's a thriller. There was a lot of symbolism that I think is super important for our generation and just people that are obsessing over social media these days. We do, in fact, need to stop glorifying these people, I mean celebrities, to an unhealthy degree. I believe that you shouldn't get obsessed with the person. You should get obsessed with the artistry because the actual person is just like a vessel of artistry. Let's get into the topic. A phrase and a topic that has been coming up a lot within the Black community that I feel like I couldn't just not talk about. So the topic of today is colorism and its implications of that. So without further ado, let's get into it. There's this like fetishization of light skin. It was always black or white. You know, don't get too black. Colorism, prejudice based on skin tone and a preference for light skin over dark. Dr. Joy DeGruy, who studies racial trauma, says colorism is rooted in proximity to whiteness. The whole notion that white is the best, the correct, the most intelligent, the most right about everything. And as you move along the color spectrum, of the darker you are, the less important, beautiful, viable, capable, all of those things that uh, the society has imposed upon us based on that notion of, of supremacy. 
As colorism is the discrimination of those with a darker skin tone, typically among individuals with the same racial or ethnic background, within the Black community, we use skin tone and certain features to define social stature, causing poisonous behavior, hatred, and discrimination, even against the people of our own kind. Harvard and Stanford University alumni Chika Okoru further explains that colorism is not a newfound concept. Colorism goes back to the days of slavery in the U.S. Slavery brought on a large amount of rape of African female slaves by white slave masters, birthing a plethora of mixed-race slave children. The children related to the slave masters represented more European body features, which sparked a segregation of African slaves, having the mixed-race offspring work inside the house as house slaves, maybe even doing less manual labor as opposed to darker-skinned slaves, which would predominantly work in the fields and acquired more outside labor. But even after slavery, white people gave different treatment to Black individuals that share more white features, offering them better access to housing, job opportunities, and even education. As there are many different flavors of chocolate, founder of website Colorism Healing in 2013, Dr. Sarah L. Webb expresses that colorism is a system of oppression. People can have the same race and have different types of color within the racial spectrum. However, certain individuals within the community are faced with different beauty standards. I mean, let's be honest. We can't no longer ignore the treatment of darker-skinned individuals within the Black community. Favorable features in the Black community could be light caramel skin, big and bouncy curly hair, and exotic Caribbean-color-toned eyes. But it has to be natural, of course. But darker-skinned individuals seem to always be put on the bottom of the list when it comes to beauty. I mean, we all know the harsh reality that there is only a handful of opportunities for Black artists, even with the global advancements of social media. And yes, although efforts to expand the consumer's mindset surrounding inclusion has become more prevalent, it can feel as though social media and the entertainment industry still do not favor or even appreciate the dark skin complexion, consistently altering the images of dark women to look lighter. Darker skinned individuals can feel betrayed by beauty standards, concluding that this is just the way it is. Dark black skinned individuals may deny or even block out these feelings the best way they can in order to cope with colorism. And through social media outlets, the overall message surrounding colorism continues to be promoted and advertised to younger generations. According to Okoru, in 2010, CNN conducted a study of six to eight-year-old children where they needed to place various values on images of people based on their skin tone. When they asked who was the smartest image of a girl, a young black girl pointed to the whitest girl image. When asked to point to the dumbest girl, she pointed to the dark-skinned girl image without hesitation. The moderator asked in a calm and polite tone, why is she the dumb girl? The young girl hesitated for a bit and muttered the answer, because she's black. This mindset doesn't break or melt the older we get. It sticks hard. I mean, even I joke around, but I have to stop doing it. I find myself saying in a joking tone, put the flash on out of fear I won't be seen when taking a picture, becoming a mere shadow with a pearly white smile, growing comfortable with the idea that this is something to laugh about. 
And in reality, it's not really that funny. I mean, I don't even know what skin color emoji to pick that best fits my exact skin tone, as there is an internalized shame I feel when I scroll all the way across to the darkest shade. So in terms of beauty standards, Black women and individuals can suffer through the happenings of colorism completely alone. Many fear that one would come across as jealous, insecure, or even judgmental about their lighter skin counterparts, even causing more division within the Black community. So phrases such as, you're pretty for a dark-skinned person, remains a negative phrase not only said by white people, but Black men towards Black women and individuals as well. Let's dive a little bit deeper into beauty standards. So whiteness or white beauty will still be the beauty standard and will have priority over others until we alter this narrative. How, you might ask? By giving people of color more opportunities in prominent spaces. So dabbling in European fashion has been such an amazing experience for me. Someone like me only dreamed to be collaborating with amazing designers and even walking in not only one, but two Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week shows. But the first time I noticed the impact of colorism was through fashion and entertainment endeavors. You may be surprised of how many vision boards have been created for me in the past where the models of the vision boards were light caramel skin, green eyes, and curly-haired men. It made me realize that that was their version of what Black people look like, and that a darker individual like myself was not seen as beautiful or desirable as the inspirational pictures that they picked to share with me. Now, you might be thinking, oh, like, why are you complaining? They casted you. They wouldn't have cast you if they didn't think you were beautiful. Wrong. They casted me because there was no other options. Period. Even makeup artists wouldn't know how to do my makeup. Lying and saying, oh, you don't need makeup. You're flawless. I mean, they're not wrong. (laughs) But through my beauty evolution and form of makeup, I grew so tired of doing my own makeup for projects and photo shoots. At times, even mixing two or three different shades of drugstore foundation to get remotely close to my natural skin color. So don't fall for the fashion is inclusive just yet. We still have such a long way to go. See, fashion can tokenize Black experiences by relying or creating caricatures of Black people to sell exotic, edgy fashion and predominantly streetwear. Editorials with exotic models allow companies to seem inclusive without really needing to further work in the conversation of racial injustice. And we should actually be holding these companies accountable for why it took them so long to do so in the first place. But anyway... I can only imagine how it feels to be a Black woman in the world of beauty and fashion. For example, Black hair can be an episode in itself. However, weaves, hair extensions, all of the many hairstyles Black women obtained did not come from a glamorous beginning. It has been a journey and a journey of acceptance on its own. Like the value put on weaves and having that good Remy hair, girl came from upholding a beauty standard that they had no choice but to maintain, to feel beautiful, and even to succeed in various career opportunities. And that, my friends, can all be summed up to Eurocentrism. So what is the Eurocentric worldview of beauty? If you're not familiar, Eurocentrism and its attributes is rooted in systematic discrimination and created or fuels flaws in beauty standards, 
and even nurtures the idea of colorism. And this is a correlation with colonialism. Basically, once a standard is set, especially from the white community, it becomes the norm and is completely golden. Superior. Deemed the most beautiful globally are fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, Nordic facial features, thin bodies, and this reflects a lot of what is deemed beautiful in European countries. But in general, you can't tell me that this is just a U.S. issue. It is a global issue, as we can see it through global skin lightening creams and procedures all throughout the world. For example, in Asia, bleaching skin cream is a billion-dollar business. No matter the health conditions that come with skin altering, individuals will push themselves and adopt daily self-care routines to what society makes them believe is beautiful. But it's so annoying. Like, why are white people so keen on staying the most beautiful? When actuality, can't everyone be beautiful? Yet whenever someone wants to break the mold or even question the beauty standards, white people become so defensive and territorial. It's ridiculous. Dare I have to talk about this, but if we're going to talk about beauty standards, then we got to get into it. The highly anticipated remake of Disney's The Little Mermaid sparked much controversy over the past years as Black musician Halle Bailey solidified the role as Ariel, a mermaid that desires to live life as a human and fall madly in love with Prince Charming. This decision led to many racist outcries and disrespectful narratives surrounding the choice of Ariel being cast as a Black girl. And to be honest, I just have to laugh at it at this point. Like, the fact that people care that much about this when there is so much more important things in the world to talk about and feel strongly about, it's just mind-boggling to me. It really is. So here are a few tweets I found surrounding white people being so mad about, like, Ariel being Black. Mermaids live in the ocean. Underwater equals limited sunlight. Limited sunlight equals less melanin. Less melanin equals lighter skin color. (laughs) Okay, that was a tweet. Another one. Us white girls who grew up with the Little Mermaid deserved a true-to-color Ariel. Disney, you made a huge mistake by hiring Halle Bailey. This is going in the trash. And it's a picture of, like, the original Little Mermaid on DVD, and they're, like, throwing it in the trash. Someone even goes to say... If you're anti-white, you're racist. And no, I don't want you to be part of my world. Hashtag not my Ariel. Hashtag not my mermaid. (laughs) Okay. So with that, let's break it down. Ariel's whiteness is not a prominent part of the story of The Little Mermaid. When you have Snow White, for example, skin as white as snow, yeah, a Black individual would not be the best to be cast in that role. But Ariel is a fictional fantasy character. She is not real. It is not a biopic, okay? She is a mermaid. First of all, people need to be accountable for what they say and do, and anyone that even formed a racial opinion about this should be ashamed. When little Black children look at this movie, they will see themselves. Isn't that alone enough to make you smile? That children will be able to create their own memories and feel that they are beautiful at a young age? And even furthermore, what about the actress? In response to all this stupid comments, she responded, As a Black person, you just expect it. 
and it's not really a shock anymore. Halle Bailey continues and says, I know people are like, it's not about race, but now that I'm her, people don't understand that when you're black, there's this whole other community. She adds, it's also important for us to see ourselves. So if you are a white listener and you found yourself just shocked and like couldn't eat for the whole day because you were so upset that Errol was a beautiful black young woman, then have several seats. Like really change your priorities in life, okay? And as much racist comments Halle Bailey is receiving for her iconic role, Halle Bailey is even a light-skinned black woman. Imagine if she was dark-skinned. She would probably be prone to racist comments, but also I'm a thousand percent sure they'd be calling her ugly and just overall terrible things. I mean, white people would probably protest outside of the Little Mermaid ride at Disneyland. But overall, this really truly does lend to the notion of Eurocentrism and that white is always beautiful, no matter what. Going back to Okoro's findings, Okoro further explains that colorism played a huge role in the U.S. university culture surrounding affirmative action and the social organizations, fraternities, and sororities. So in the past, in order to get accepted into frats and sororities, Black individuals had to undergo a series of tests, tests that deemed them worthy of belonging. First would be the brown paper bag test. The test rules were very simple. If the black person was lighter than a brown paper bag, they would move on to the next round. Another test was the pencil test. The pencil test is where they would take a pencil and put it through the applicant's hair. If the pencil got stuck, they were not allowed to join, implying that your hair is not straight or beautiful enough. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Another test is the shadow test. A white sorority sister or fraternity brother would take a flashlight and shine it on the black applicant's profile, standing sideways, against a wall to reflect their shadow. The shadow would show their side facial features for all to see. If the shadow of their face was similar to a white person, they'd be admitted. If not, they wouldn't be able to join. I mean, I'm just speechless and shaking my head at the thought that this was an actual test and that these were actually things going on, but it's really true. You can look it up. Gladly, these practices are now extinct. However, there still is an evolution to those tests, and Black people notice these actions on a daily basis in everyday life. So in conclusion, similar to racism, beauty standards are learned. Once you are aware of colorism, you can never unsee it. We must broaden the idea of beauty. We do, in fact, need to break the silence to break the cycle of colorism for future generations. Like, we need to reprogram our unconscious bias surrounding skin color. So I challenge listeners and these big-name companies, as painful as it may be, to be more unconventional in their choices to support certain artistry, their approach to beauty standards, and embrace every form of being. Because, my friend, us chocolate beings are some of the most beautiful human beings alive, inside or out, no matter how dark or light we are. It's Chocolate Reading Time, where we highlight Black authors and their written works of art. 
This week, we highlight All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir manifesto about growing up Black and queer by George M. Johnson. In this groundbreaking memoir, writer and LGBTQIA activist John M. Johnson shares their memories of growing up Black and queer in America. From getting their teeth kicked out by bullies at age five, to their loving family relationships, to their first sexual experience, these powerful stories wrestle with triumph and tragedy, weaving a rich tapestry of experiences both everyday and extraordinary. Covering topics such as gender identity, toxic masculinity, brotherhood, inequality, consent, and black joy, George's remarkable story is a story for all of us. So this is a super amazing book that I just started reading recently. I love that I am finding myself in literature more and more every day, and the stories that me and other black queer individuals have. It's a super powerful and moving book, so I suggest you guys all read this book. And not only read this book, but look into everything that George M. Johnson is doing in terms of being Black and queer and the activism that they're doing. So with that, happy reading! Now it's time for Chocolate Music, where in this segment, I highlight one of my favorite Black music artists. In this episode, we highlight Stevan. Hailing from Australia, Stevan is a young musical powerhouse on the rise. The multi-talented producer, singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist combines his many musical skills to create woozy, dreamlike pop songs that defy genres. Influenced by music artists such as Bob Marley, Al Green, Stevie Wonder, Childish Gambino, Frank Ocean, Kendrick Lamar, and Joey Badass, a great melting pot of musicians inspire his sound today. So if you're looking for some nice summer vibes and some indie pleasure, like orgasmic energy, Stevan is your person. My favorite songs from Stevan is Warm, ugly and heart but so far i have warm on repeat all the time so want to check out the music check the social media link along with the music link in the episode description enjoy and there you have it So we did a lot today. We talked about swarm, colorism, beauty standards, Eurocentrism, the Little Mermaid. We did a lot today. All social media avenues will be linked in the podcast and episode description. Make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe to Chocolate the Podcast, as I will be diving into more topics such as this one in the future. A friendly reminder to make sure you tell your loved ones you love them with a smile, with a hug, with a kiss, however you want to do it. It's important these days to make sure that we tell our loved ones that we love each other. So make sure you do that. Do that right now. Right now. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Chocolate the Podcast. I'll see you soon.